Welcome back to First Touch. I am Tyler Brook, joined alongside Nate Canan, and Nate is losing his mind over here because of cicadas. <laughs> Look, I'm not like losing my mind as in going crazy. I just take pride of our podcast for all you guys. Like, and what I mean is, I, I'm going to spend a lot of time trying to make sure that the audio quality is as best as it can be. It's very important for me. Very important that all the listeners have a great experience. I know. Early on in this podcast, we've tried a couple of different things, and I think we finally worked out our kinks, and here we are. We normally don't record things in the evening. We're kind of more midday, afternoon, but we decided to uh, record today's episode, maybe a little last minute, but whatever. We just wanted to record it in the evening, and now there's like all of these stupid summer cicadas outside just making that screeching sound. So yeah. I'm sorry that like I made you build a little fortress for your microphone. I did the same thing over here. The effort you put into this is just incredible, man. Like I obviously appreciate it because it makes my job a lot easier and I'm sure the listeners enjoy it. But sometimes you just get stuck with loud ass cicadas outside. Yeah, no, these stupid bugs. The thing is, and what I really hope for is I hope everyone can just laugh and just listen very intently this entire episode and be and like after the end of like 45 plus minutes or or however long our episode is. They'd be like, huh, I didn't hear cicadas once. And I'm going to be like, yes, you didn't. Man. You didn't hear a single damn cicada because I built a fortress of sound with our stupid little chairs that we have in our living room. And I put a bunch of towels around. My microphone has a windscreen, which is my, you know, in true fashion of the First Touch podcast, I have my uh, Tottenham Hotspurs beanie. Shout out to my friend Matt that gave this to me last winter. He was like at Burlington Coat Factory and he saw in a bargain bin for $3 a reversible Tottenham uh, Hotspur cap. And he gave it to me, which was a, an incredible gift. But, you know, it just makes sense. It's on brand. So I have this fortress of sound and I swear you're not going to hear a cicada. And if you do, I tried. You, at least you tried. It's like that Bart Simpson gift with the birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, I was like getting so mad. And, you know, it, it makes sense. It's the end of summer. Fall's coming around. Have you, uh, it makes me think of, have you ever heard of The Mothman or that? One of my favorite horror movies is The Mothman Prophecies. You ever hear of that? Oh, God, we're going down such a wormhole. I think I've seen it. Yes, I've seen the movie where if you see the moth, you die. You see the Mothman, you die. Right. No, you're thinking of Slender Man, and this is no, where my... it's not Slender Man. I could swear, wow, this... I know. I think I know what you're talking about. I could swear it's like people see this Mothman in like dreams or things, and then they die like days later. No, no, I think you're talking about something else. I know. I like that reminds me of something. Like I love horror movies. It just and you know we're we're getting around is what we like to call around these parts spooky season. I know I made you. I subjected you to watch like almost 30 horror movies like every single day in October aside from like one day. Uh, the Mothman was always something that was really like uh, like in terms of like creature-ish things. My dad like used to tell me this story because like I grew up in western Pennsylvania. Shout out to Pittsburgh. Of course I gotta name drop it here at least at some point in this episode. But like Mothman was like this thing that like how New Jersey has New Jersey Devil, West Virginia has Mothman. And they filmed this movie like in the early 2000s, I think, um, in West Virginia. My dad told me, again, this might just be something he told me like, you know, to scare like a little kid. But apparently like every summer or every couple of summers, ever since they filmed that movie, the location of it gets like swarmed by locusts, moths, cicadas, and it just kind of gets unbearable to walk through for like a week straight because there's just so many of these like annoying ass bugs. So this is a soccer podcast for those listening, not a podcast about bugs. Uh, that's a little spooky, uh, you know, right, right into spooky season. Hopefully you have more spooky season stories to tell in October. But again, just to reiterate, we are planning on talking about soccer today. Uh, oh, yes. We got some great soccer stories coming up. And we have a guest this week that I am so excited to share with you guys, Ian Edwards. What do we know about Ian Edwards, Tyler? Ian is a stand-up comedian, a podcast host, and Manchester United fan. Um, he has written on the show Blackish and a plenty of other shows. He has a Comedy Central special, Ian Talks. Uh, he's also been featured on Joe Rogan's podcast multiple times. 
Uh, all in all, just a hilarious guy. Uh, excited to talk to Manchester United with him. Uh, and then moving on, we'll be giving our pitch profile this week on Tyler Adams, another American superstar in the making, I think, personally. Thanks again to FTFC listeners out there by submitting more great uh, players to go through. I know we're uh, super topical right now with our pitch profile, considering some of the matches that we're going to go into this week before our interview. But make sure to continue to listen after the Ian Edwards interview for our Tyler Adams pitch profile. You definitely want to learn more about this kid. He is going to be a name that's going to be a household name for uh, United States men's national team fans out there. Any American Tyler, we'll just talk about them. You know, soccer players, podcast hosts, you know, just about anyone. And of course, after that, we have a few regular segments that I know you guys love. We're going to be talking around the net. Uh, We got some Manchester City news as well as Tyler's bet of the week. You want to make sure to hear that because you might win some money. I know we hit sometimes, we lose sometimes, but hey, it's all about taking risks and uh, seeing what you can make out of it. And pub of the week. One of our favorites. Well, Nate, on to the thing that we usually talk about, which is soccer. Surprise. Imagine just like me, you were watching a lot of the Champions League this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's what I'm going for mostly. I'm so excited for these Champions League matches. We're almost near the end. It's crazy to think that how fast of a turnaround it was. I know we were watching Europa earlier today as well. And after that uh, final got set in stone, it's like, okay, the finals less than five days. It's like, Okay, semifinals are over on Monday, finals are on Friday. That's kind of how the turnaround time is for the Champions League as well. We got the semis this week, and then uh, by next week, we're going to have a new champion of Europe. I'm all about it right now, honestly. It's it's great that the NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs are going on right now, but nonstop soccer is what I'm, I'm here for. I'm already getting into setting my fantasy Premier League lineup, tinkering with that constantly. So the nonstop soccer, I'm a big fan of. Obviously, I feel like, we can't not talk about the embarrassment that was Barcelona against Bayern Munich. You know, it might be partially because our recurring guest Bundesliga Borelli wouldn't shut up about it, but it, an 8-2 win is something we should probably discuss. I was watching that match with Bundesliga Borelli, so you can imagine how I was just watching him losing his mind over that game. Goal after goal, his homeboy Lewandowski even getting on the scoreboard and just embarrassing the greatest player on the world, Lionel Messi, and making them come to a screeching halt with their campaign to be champions of Europe. And ever since that loss, there's just been so much going on in terms of that squad uh, firing their manager. And now here we are with Messi transfer rumors. But I'll say this, this is the first time, and you guys know that I make fun of Messi transfer rumors every time I hear them. However... I'm actually going to take that seriously now. And let's just give a recap of exactly how we got here. You know, I noticed a lot of just great movement from Bayern. And this resulted in a couple of really quick goals. And, you know, early on, you just thought, okay, this might just be a high-scoring affair. And then Barcelona's defense just fell apart, and it, it just kind of became a laughingstock. If I recall, it's something like 2-1 early on. And you're like, all right, we got a, like, we got a ball game ahead of us, and then just... I think Barcelona forgot how to play defense. It just it got so bad by the end, man. You know it's bad when Coutinho comes out and starts scoring on you. I've never seen a match do more damage to an organization, I think, in any sport. I think that's fair to say when it says damage that's done to an organization, especially this Barcelona side. <laughs> I mean, think about this. I mean, we could go into and dissect exactly what happened. I know... Uh, I recommend all of our listeners out there going and look at the Coach Jimmy videos from one of the FTFC's uh, former uh, guests, Jimmy Conrad. He did a great job of breaking down just the collapse of Barcelona's defense, which I really think is kind of what happened and what ended up like when you have this high pressing intensity of a Bayern Munich attacking side, like you're going to just get embarrassed if you're not on your absolute A game. And I don't even know what I saw out there. That was like D plus level of defensive play out there. And I don't, I don't really know if there's one player to blame, but that's that entire organization. What I'm going to say to this is after Messi spending his entire professional career at Barcelona, it just kind of seems like it's the perfect storm that he might leave. There's not really much else that he can do, and I don't really blame him for starting to look elsewhere. Like, there's been things saying that, like, he wants out at this time. And the manager, Kika Satian, is now gone, and he wasn't even there for that long. 
it was the first time in 12 seasons that the Barcelona side did not win a single trophy in a year. Like, that just goes to show how disappointing of a year it was. And especially when you think about all the talent on that team. I know we've talked about it before, but, like, how do you not win a single trophy with guys like Griezmann and Suarez surrounding Messi? It just blows my mind. Um, you know, and the fact that, like you said, there's now legitimate transfer rumors about Messi wanting to leave just because of how much of a failure this year was. He's spent his entire youth and professional career with that organization. And it was so bad against Byron. When he was 8-2, to two, he's just like, okay, maybe I'm going to head out. I think it would be exciting to see him go somewhere. Do I really expect him to? I, I, I still don't know. Like it's Again, you hear this time and time again. I think the statistic of them not winning a trophy for the first time in 12 years is going to be motivation for Messi, if nothing else, because that is a player, if he's able to, should be having some kind of silverware because he is the world's great. I mean, maybe it is a little different to American sports because, again, like you have a player like LeBron James who can go seasons without um, you know, raising trophies. Granted, he does make it to the finals, what, probably almost every other year for the last 10 years. It was like or, it was every year for something like nine years. I mean, again, like I think that kind of even adds more validity because you, you have these players playing at such a high level and, you know, Messi's not there. So if Barcelona's not going to turn around, then what's next? I mean, we talked last week that there's transfer rumors with Ronaldo. We talked now that Messi might be leaving. Like, what what could happen if we see Ronaldo back in the Premier League and now we have a rumor that Messi might be going to Manchester City, of all things, which is, you know, if, if you ask me, might be just a little bit of uh, adding more sense of that petty rivalry they have together. Not to mention that City is obviously a huge contender for the Premier League title every year. So it does make sense, but I don't know. It's just it's just like one of those variables that I don't have a solid answer to. And you could literally look in about 12 different directions and say like, oh, what if there? What if there? And, you know, we could be sitting here again and him not go anywhere. The reason why I don't put a lot of brain effort into Messi leaving is that I feel like a lot of us think of these scenarios a lot. If he doesn't make this move now, I don't really see him doing it to be serious at any other point in his career, considering that he is getting older, you know, the, the amount of, the amount of times that I think it's almost every other season, there is some kind of transfer that makes it seem like, is it plausible that Messi's going to leave? Is there that remote chance that Lionel Messi is going to take his talents away from Barcelona? And then you go down some rabbit hole of what if scenarios, if then, then this, and it never becomes anything. And that's where I don't want to get hurt again. And I don't want to have to put in that effort into thinking about all these things that don't turn into anything. It's just a lot of wasted energy. However, with that being said, of all of the energy that I've wasted in the past thinking about where Messi could potentially go, after this fallout to Bayern Munich in the Champions League, coming second in La Liga, not getting any kind of silverware for the first time in 12 seasons. I feel that this would be the time or have the most credibility of any year that Messi's been playing for Barcelona. That's all that I have to say about that. I've got three big takeaways from this game. Number one, Tyler's bet of the week was a stone-cold lock. Byron absolutely crushed that spread. Two, I think far and away, Byron has to be the clear favorite here. You know, Leon and RB Leipzig have had some dream runs. I don't expect those to continue. You know, even if they play PSG in the final, I still think they're a far away favorite there. Uh, and then number three, if Messi somehow lands in Manchester for City or United, I might just quit soccer. We'll have to cancel the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Wouldn't that be quite a turn if Messi ended up in the Bundesliga? Oh no! Don't even, don't even go there, man. I we would never hear the end of it from Borelli. Yeah, that's true. We now have a f- semifinals of only French and German teams left, which I do think is pretty interesting. Seeing Lyon and PSG represent France and Bayern and Leipzig representing the Bundesliga, 
And, you know, shout out to Leipzig, you know, Tyler Adams getting the game winning goal and them playing without Timo Werner, their best player. Uh, honestly, a cool story. I do hope they can make it into the finals. I don't think it's likely, but, you know, I didn't think they had much of a shot against Atletico either. What I want to spend the majority of my focus on, and I know we're going to talk about it later, but uh, Tyler Adams, that's a name now that I think a lot of people throughout Europe know that might not have heard of before. And what's significant about that is that he's a homegrown American. And, you know, you just love that. Again, like we're all about the expansion of America into the sport and bringing in Americans into the European game of soccer. And whenever, you know, we talk about Pulisic all the time, but if you can have another name such as Tyler Adams there on that center stage scoring that game-winning goal to take uh, Red Bull to their first Champions League semifinal, you love to hear it and you love to see it. And that gives you another reason if you're looking for a team or a Bundesliga team that you uh, normally wouldn't think about. He could be your your player that you follow and someone to really cheer for being you know, a homegrown American player. I want to spend a little bit of time covering the Europa League. We haven't talked about it at all on this podcast. I think with how entertaining the semifinal matches were, I just think it's appropriate that we talk about it. Final is set for Friday and we have Sevilla versus Inter Milan. Two fun semifinals, Inter Milan crushing Shakhtar Donetsk, and then Sevilla, you know, pulling off the major upset against Manchester United. Sevilla beating Manchester United really surprised me. And again, it gave us something to laugh at because we had a Bruno Fernandes uh, penalty goal to, of course, I always bring up Fernandes. My, my own coach of Jose Mourinho is always saying how many uh, penalties are awarded to Manchester United. We have that again. But Sevilla coming in and upsetting this uh, Manchester side. And a fun fact that I did not know is that Sevilla is actually the most decorated uh, champion of the Europa League. They have the most Europa League championships of any other team in Europe. Yeah, and something like six appearances as well. Like, that's absolutely crazy. So it's kind of surprising with how dominant Inter Milan is that Sevilla might be favored in this just because of their experience in the final. Yeah, and Lukaku even said that, you know, they feel like they're the underdog in this game. And if you ask anybody pen and paper of who is the more dominant team, it's definitely Inter Milan. I think that Sevilla can come into this with history on their side, being the more comfortable team, just a little bit of the ego flex of, you know, we've been here before, we know how to win, and we won more than anybody else has. So this is going to be a very interesting uh, final. I, I don't know if Sevilla is going to be able to do it, and I don't know if I'm going to put my money on it. And again, I'm, I'm not the gambler here, but I, I don't really expect them to win, especially after watching Inter Milan with that dominant victory of 5 to nothing today. Uh, for our casual listeners who may not know quite what the Europa League is, I think the simplest way to put it is it's just simply the tournament that's a step below the Champions League. You know, of all these teams that qualify for the Champs League, the ones that were you know just not quite there to cut it are the ones that ultimately end up playing in the Europa League. There is still a lot at stake for this. You know, the winner of Sevilla versus Inter Milan is going to automatically qualify for the Champions League group stage, and they'll get to play the Champions League winner in the UEFA Super Cup, which isn't a tournament. It's just one match. The winner gets a trophy. So I always really enjoyed that match. Uh, Chelsea-Liverpool last year was a lot of fun, ended up in PKs. Uh, our backup goalie, Adrian, for Liverpool actually ended up saving the day, which was pretty crazy. Uh, but that's always a fun one and another opportunity for your club to get a trophy. One of these two teams is going to end up in the Champions League. And I'm going to be pulling for Inter Milan on this one. I'm going to show my biases here just because I just want uh, Christian Eriksen's departure from Tottenham to actually mean something. And it's it's kind of interesting. I, I also was watching the after-game analysis uh, interview with... Uh, Lukaku and they asked him if uh, they actually would rather have played Manchester United rather than Sevilla because you know a, a big portion of that Inter Milan side is former Manchester United players and it just would have been an interesting matchup so I don't know I mean I am excited for this I do think it's still going to be a great match but it would have been a little bit better for me in terms of just understanding previous uh, alliances and allegiances with certain players it would have been a good match to see but I do think we're still going to have a very entertaining end to this Europa League it's too bad Manchester United could end up in that final but they will still be represented by uh, former players playing on Inter Milan speaking of which obviously we have a Manchester United fan coming up so why don't we get into our interview with stand-up comedian and soccer comic rant host, Ian Edwards.
All right, joining us today is none other than legendary <laughs> comedian Ian Edwards. Uh, Ian has been seen on Comedy Central. He currently has a soccer podcast, uh, Soccer Comic Rant. You guys can check him out on Amazon or ComedyCentral.com. Uh, Ian, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. How's it going, guys? It's well. going okay. Kind of want to talk to you a little bit about uh, just like your background and stand up. I know like we have to do so many things through Zoom now. Uh, we also talk a lot about like fan engagement during COVID during our times. So. We saw that you recently did uh, stand up out of a truck bed in front of drive-ins. Like what's that experience like? Uh, it's different, but it, I think crowds kind of want to see a show. So even if it's the show's outside and, you know, they're spaced out, everybody's there with the right attitude. They're there to have a good time. Like, I've done worse inside shows in comedy clubs. But yeah. I just think everybody's, you know, patient with each other and, and just more excited to do something that normally they might have taken for granted because everything's been taken away. So it's not bad. I watched your Comedy Central set, Ian Talks, which, you know, really enjoyed. Thanks. I'm definitely going to start eating more carrots now. Uh, yeah, um, bro. <laughs> I'm doing um, what I can to help. I you guess. Know? <laughs> like one of my questions I had about this, like when you're performing, uh, do you ever notice anyone's like distinct laughs when those are going on? Yeah, 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 sure. Why that girl? You're talking about that girl's laughter. That was, yeah, 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 yeah. I think and they wanted the to take that out, but I was like, no, nah, leave that in. That's something that him and I were talking about because we don't have a lot of comedians in particular on. We're, we're talking to a lot more people that are either in the actual like sports realms in terms of like playing or coaching. And it's really awesome to have your perspective and your background. And that was just something we're thinking about because it's, you know, it's noticeable for us just watching as comedy fans. But I just wondered if like that ever kind of gets in your mind while you're actually like doing a set in front of people, like you're hearing those laughs. Like, does that dictate anything like when you're actually on stage? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're doing it for the laughs. Her laugh was weird. There's been people who snorted in the audience before, and you could just draw attention to it because everybody can hear it, and you can get a laugh out of the sound of that person's laugh. And in the special, it's kind of funny. That laugh was, like, so different. It did throw me for a second or two. But I was like, hey, man, she's enjoying herself. She's having a good time. That's what I want. I'm taking a special. So it just... And then it subsided throughout the set and we'd come back again. But it's like, that's the whole point. You have somebody laughing. So it felt like a bunch of hot takes is kind of, but like, what can how did the idea for Ian Talks come about? I'm just very curious. Like, I thought the whole style of the stand up special was, you know, pretty unique. And definitely made for, it was a little dark at times. So I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was definitely really good and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, Everybody was putting out specials and uh, I just wanted to do it in a way where it would still be funny and not lose any of its comedic intensity, but just do it in, in a different way. And a lot, a lot of comics, depending on the comic, kind of are doing TED Talks on topics anyway. And I kind of feel like I fit in that area or style of comedy. So it's like, why not do it like a TED Talk? I guess just one quick question back to the whole COVID stuff. Is it like different that you have to be so distant from people? Because like, I know like a part of stand-up comedy for some people is just like, like how you said, like feeding off like the laughter and like hearing mm -hmm. those people. Are, are you missing, is there some kind of element that's different where you can't actually be like, hey, like has this happened to you? Because there's like literally like that layer of glass and an engine between you and those people. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's definitely different, but you have to adapt to it. You know, that's just life. You know, like the world you are in now, you know, is different from it was five months ago. So we've all adapted since. So this is just another part of it. And you'll accept less, you know, like that. I did the show on Saturday on the roof of a parking garage and uh, I could hear the laughter, but, if that many people were in a club, it would be multiplied. I had to just trust that this was the best and most fun it was gonna be and roll with that. So you, you accept, cause it, you know, most buildings have a ceiling, the lower the ceiling, you know, the more the laughs like are contained and you could like, they hit you. And in this way, it was just outside, the ceiling was the sky. Yeah, it's all about celebrating like small wins right now more than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we got soccer back, like, Shit, yeah, man. no crowd. The fact that we had any games, even if there were no fans yeah. on, the fact that they were on TV, like, 
I just had to appreciate that for sure. Yeah, I was definitely excited about it. I was like, yeah, I was just glad to have it back, fans or no fans. So I'm curious because you're, you know, born in England, you know, you said you moved to Jamaica and then ultimately to the United States. What made you become a Manchester United fan? There was no, first there were no games here. And then we started to get the games, the Premier League, and just watching all the teams. And then the story of Manchester United at the time, with uh, Beckham and Scholes and Giggs and, you know, the class of 1992. It was just like, like they just had a great story. And then they actually went on and won some stuff and they just never gave up. This is a great metaphor for life. Like they'd be down one nothing and come back in the last minute and win the game. They did that to win the European Championship. So it's like, and it just wasn't a one-off. So it's just like, I like the spirit of that. So that's kind of what made me a Miami United fan over all the other teams and choices I had at the time. Well, I am a Liverpool fan, but I, I can promise you I don't harbor any ill will to fan. Right, right. You, you want to talk about like Arsenal or Chelsea with this guy who's a Tottenham fan? Like, <laughs> he gets worked up. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> it's definitely like, it's been fun to watch them, uh, you know, especially since Project Restart. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just curious what you think. You know, I think you guys started off so hot once everything came back. And then obviously with everything going on in the Europa League and all these other tournaments in the Premier League, you know, it feels like you kind of cooled off. And what do you think happened there? Well, somebody sent me a stat yesterday that since Project Restart, Man U has played one match every 4.5 games. And uh, we've been using the same squad. And we just looked a little tired at certain parts of the game against, uh, was it Sevilla? It stood out against Sevilla. For sure. Severe. And, you know, we didn't take our chances. But I'm glad we played good football. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, we didn't win, but I can take that as a win. Like, we outplayed them. We made great chances. We looked good as a team. And it just restores the hope that we were given at the end of the season. How much did you want to play Inter Milan, though? I know. Because that would have just been such a good throwback to all of those great players that are now making a name for themselves with Inter. Yeah, it would have been, like it'd be ex-Man U versus current Man U, right? like Lukaku, yeah, uh, Alexis Sanchez, you know, we'd, we'd have to meet up against them. And I'm sure they'd have, they'd be extra upset, you know, about like being disregarded by Man U. So that would give them an edge. And, uh, but I'd rather lose to Sofia than <laughs> Lukaku lifts a cup <laughs> on a, you know, at our expense, you know. Uh, just some of these stories. I know from listening to your own podcast, like mm-hmm. you seem to be like, a re- you're, you're rooted within the fandom of things. And that's what I really enjoy about your podcast is that it's not like overly analytical in terms of like what player did what. You're just kind of talking about the culture and you're going week to week about like mm-hmm. who did what and where. And we were talking about this Inter Milan uh, game and we were looking up the history of that club. Uh-huh. I, I'm just wondering, just for your own perspective, like, have you have you ever looked into Inter? Like, have you heard like the motto uh-huh. of that team? It's got a really funny story, and we wanted to run it by you if you've never heard of it. Oh, go ahead. Like, I'm a I'm a in the Italian league. I'm an AC Milan fan, and, and they're direct rivals to Inter. Like, I over the last five years, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to AC Milan. I just know they're not doing as great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I follow Zlatan, and just watching him is just so fun. Yeah. Talk about another uh, former great player for uh, Man U. Yeah, exactly. They so their motto they've changed it within the past couple of years. It's it, bad now. It's it's bad. It's well, at least we feel it's so it's Inter Milan, not for everyone. <laughs> and it's such such a change from what the club used to be. It was Brothers of the World. <laughs> And it just is such a huge contrast to what, because you're going from such unity and being together and really being a staple of the community to really draw on a firm line in the sand. And I don't know, it's just something that just really kind of rubs me the wrong way. I know like we're yes. big Premier League guys over here and we're trying to get more into like Syria. And when you see all these great players like Inter, like you want to follow them. I know me personally, uh, losing Christian Eriksen to them from uh, being on Tottenham. Like, I want to see that team do well. But, like, when I hear the like, are not for everyone, I'm like, it gives me pause. It does. I get it. I, I, get, I get their motto. It's like, so what was the first one? Brothers what? of the world? Brothers of the world. And then after you're brothers of the world for a while, you realize everybody doesn't want to be your brother. Everybody's not into <laughs> your type of 
style and the, and the way you do things. And you're like, you know what? We're not for everyone. And that's where we're at right now. And that's real. And so it unifies the, the fewer people who are actually there. Because this is not for everyone, but it's definite for us. So we're going to bond together knowing that we are the few who are into this. You know what I mean? Okay, that's and, a really good way to look at it. You can, uh, yeah, you could, you could, you know, get some underdog strength from that. I mean, I had our listeners pitch me on which Italian team to follow, and I did uh, get pitched Inter Milan. So the motto drew me pause, but also like their new away kits kind of look like picnic tablecloths. So I decided uh, no. I'm not sure I've seen those. I, I know they. I so you. I know they they played yesterday. Like everybody's wearing their new kits now. Yeah. Yeah. I was I wasn't mad at their kit yesterday. No, I like the home. Kit. Yeah, that's a nice home looking home kit. It's the away yeah. kit that literally looks like it's something out of like a like a Saturday type picnic thing. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of terrible kits out there, especially from teams. There's there's some kits with too much shit on it. It's like, mm -hmm. hey guys, you guys are professionals. What is this? Are you a race car? <laughs> like, take some of that stuff off it. And then there's so many, they have the thank you now. Like if the games are playing now, they have the thank you. Then they have the respect. So they're trying to correct all the ills of the world are on their jersey, like a slogan of positivity. And if somebody dies or is a special time of year, there's a black thing. And it's, and it's just like, like, like they can get play, players are wearing, so they, they, they're dressed like, with the, the equipment of cops with all the slogans and shit they have on them. So it's like a NASCAR car. Yeah, yeah. With everything on it. I just know, it's like, what kit are you wearing today? Uh, this is like a retro, like, Brazil joint. Yeah. Is, that, is that for uh, Neymar playing the Champs okay. League today while we're recording? <laughs> no, this is just like, I just feel like everybody's a fan of Brazil. So it's like, if you're not from there, it's the one country you could just have. I do kind of want to shift gears a little bit more back to um, Man United because obviously that's that's your bread and butter. Um, we get a lot of shit on our end whenever I talk about Bruno Fernandes. And I love the guy. I you, think You get a lot of shit from who? Just, why? Well, people just listening in general because I put him on such a high horse. I put him on a pedestal. A few weeks ago, we did a Who Should Win the Ballon d'Or and I did not put him as my top candidate, but I did right. put him within like, you know, bronze mentioning and that mm -hmm. stirred up some controversy on our channels, but I just kind of wanted your overall take on him. Like how, where do you find him now? Like, what do you think his trajectory is? Like, obviously, you know, he's the free kick master right now. Did this just last within the last seven days, he's already produced another free kick goal. So just kind of want your take on him. Uh, he's just, just probably one of the most effective players in the Premier League. And sometimes even when he has a bad game or messes up a lot or misses a chance, he'll always score. And he's exactly what we needed. And it's rare when in the last six years, if you're a Man U fan or the team needed someone, did they get exactly what they need needed. So he's had a positive effect on the team, on the results. And uh, before we got him, I was hearing all these Manu fan bases saying, we should get this guy, we should get this guy. And I said, let me look him up. So I started looking up like Bruno Fernandes videos. I also saw him play Liverpool, against Liverpool mm -hmm. in, a, I don't know if it was a preseason or a Champions League match when he was still in Portugal. And it's just like, it's, I saw desire and quality. Yeah. And sometimes some people just have the quality but the desire just takes the quality to, a, to, to an extra level. And I was like, oh, we should get this guy for real. And that's what he's brought to the team. Yeah, I think you're spot on with you just really needed to get a person like this because I, I just have to think that you wouldn't have Man U getting that Champions League spot without right. this player added into the squad mm -hmm. at the time that he did. Like he exactly. came in right place at the right time. And you know, you threw out some numbers earlier about like how much, how many games they played since Project Restart happened. Mm -hmm. The guy just went off when Project Restart came around, like no other player. I think he was the best player in the Premier League from Project Restart moving forward. Yeah, exactly. Imagine being better than Kevin De Bruyne. That's a huge, yeah. that's a I, huge I thing. I will say, Leicester did collapse pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but Leicester squad is even more shallower than our squad. Oh, yeah. 
And so time just caught up with them. Yeah, do you think they're yeah. going to be sustainable? Like with, I don't know, that lineup, can you keep them all together? I don't think they're the biggest club. It, de- like it depends on what Leicester's method of operation is. Like, yeah. What's their MO? Is, like, is there a plan to compete? Or is there a plan to be happy with where they are? Or is it to make money by selling players? I, I don't know what Leicester's thing is. Like, I, I feel like Brandon Rogers wants to win, but do the owners. I guess like as a fan, you always hope that the end all be all is to raise a trophy or to collect some kind of silverware. So you just kind of think that like, I don't know, is this the end of the road for what we know as a productive Leicester team? I know. We'll see. Like to some teams, like lifting the money from selling a player, that's their trophy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just those racks. Yeah, those racks. Yeah. They just put like, the ex player and the amount they sold him for <laughs> in their trophy cabinet. And that's their, that's their thing. I'm just thinking since this brings us into our next subject of like, you know, Messi. obviously like there's now like feels like legitimate transfer rumors with him potentially leaving. And you know, you want to talk about, you know, hoisting up that money. I don't think like the staff has enough hands to hold up all that when that, if that happens, right. You know, one of the rumors is that, you know, potentially he might go to one of the Manchester clubs and I think I know you and I would both personally be devastated if he somehow landed in City. Uh, I wouldn't. I, oh. Yeah, I, I would think it's a bad move for them. So, I, What I makes you say that? It's going to cost like 200 and something million or something like that. It's just a lot of money. It's gonna, so it's like, I want them, if they want to take that hit financially and not address their defensive issues, which is what they have, uh, he's not going to be happy there. Like he wants a whole team. Mm-hmm. And if they just spend all that money, then they're going to be stuck with an aging Messi that has on a team with no defense that can be beat. Like, now, so, so if they get something that they don't need at that price, it's going to affect them for a while. So, yeah, that would be actually a good thing for us. So you're telling me if United somehow landed them, you wouldn't be at least feel a little bit excited? We don't need Messi. Yeah. I, just, I just want what we need. So actually, like, I'm a little curious about that with all the Jaden Sancho rumors. Like, mm-hmm. do you want Jaden Sancho or do you want some help I, on the back line? Because it's been a little questionable. I want, I want Jaden Sancho, but they, Dortmund wants too much. So I don't want to pay that amount. Like, I feel like now is a time when the scouts got to find – a good replacement for, I like the way, what, what, like what we're paying for people and yeah. getting the right price. And, you know, you, you gotta build for the future. And Sancho, you know, he'll, he'd probably do fine, but you know, why would you, why would you, if you're a player, why would you want to be sold for 120 million anyway? Yeah. It's just, it's like, like they feel like Neymar is an underachiever at Barcelona and at PSG. Yeah. And, and he's done so much. It's like, you, you never, it's, it's rare when you can like live up, to that that, live up to that market. Yeah. And then people, people forget that it's not your money that it goes mm-hmm. to the other team. That's they the wild part out. to me. Yeah. They keep How yelling do you not out. Get a cent of that? Yeah. It's like, like, Hey, my team, the team I was on, haggles your team onto that that shit ain't got nothing to do with me <laughs> you know what i'm saying i just came to play i feel that yeah is there anything that you think united needs to do during this very brief four window <laughs> before the next premier league starts to kind of give them that edge because they're looking really good going into the uh, start of the next season i know they're statistically like favored to win Premier League aside from a couple of other teams in terms of just like yeah we need definitely another attacking midfielder somebody like Sancho also on the right just to so that all the pressure is not on Greenwood even though we have Daniel James but he's not bad he's not bad I don't, I don't think he's bad and uh everybody's shitting on the defense but it was like the third best defense in the Premier League we let in one more gold in Liverpool and uh I don't think we were defensively, if you look at the last 10, 14, even up to 18 games of the season, we, we're not as bad defensively. It's just like, like fans are just unforgiving. 
Oh yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing is that fans are they're going to be the most wild element to this. It's like, I think it's easy to scapegoat like someone that's like, I think Harry Maguire is a good example of that. And you've watched yeah. him mature this entire season and it's probably easy to, you know, find him as a reason to hate him. you like, he, he is the mm-hmm. captain. He is the guy who's on that defensive line. And then as soon as things go haywire, he's the mm-hmm. person that you're going to try to pl- place blame on. But I really do think that he has shined himself like in a maturity level within the last couple of, uh, of weeks of play. Yeah. Like this, you know, I was watching this one video where he's a right footed player playing on the left side. So we get like a, a better, alternative to Lindelof and I like Lindelof but it's good for him to have some competition and to mix them up and and you know you know put him in put him out you know just and I think Maguire didn't get any rest of all the plays he played in every game the FA Cup all the FA Cup games all the Europa League games all the premiership games and uh he's he's got to be tired um, with that being said, we have uh, a question that we ask all of our guests. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this podcast is a lot within the enjoyment of watching football, watching soccer. And we always like giving shout outs to local businesses whenever we can. Um, you're out there in California, just wondering if there's any place in particular that you'd like to shout out in terms of like your favorite place to watch, you know, Manchester United early on the weekends. Like, do you have a local soccer pub that you hang out with or any ones that come to mind throughout your travels that you really enjoy? My local soccer pub is my living room. Because uh, <laughs> games come on so early out here, but like during the World Cup, like I'll go out to watch games. So I guess my favorite place is the parlor on Melrose. It's a sports bar. And me and a bunch of friends always meet over at the parlor on Melrose. And it's a, it's, it's a good spot to watch games and have a lot of fun there. So, yeah, why don't you send us a picture of your living room and we'll post this pub of the week. I got got it. I'll do that. (laughs) Well, Ian, we can't thank you enough for coming on, man. You know, obviously, great stand-up comedian. You've been on with Joe Rogan before, so obviously this is a little bit of a step up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, you got, what's your, you guys have a $100 million deal too, or is it $200 million? It's like three hundred. dollars it's like 300. All right. All right. That's what I heard. That's why I got on. <laughs> we, we raised those stacks like trophies over here. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Ian, thanks again for coming, my man. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. A yeah. pleasure yeah. meeting y'all. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course, man. All right. Have a good one. All right. Yeah, you too, Ian. Appreciate it, man. All right. And that was Ian Edwards. Thank you so much for joining the FTFC podcast. It was so much fun having you here. I love having another perspective from a fan as well as decorated comedian. It was such a blast having you on here. I can't wait to have you back. Um, So with that being said, we're going to shift gears now to this week's pitch profile. Who do we got this week, Tyler? We already talked a little bit about him at the top of the episode. Who are we covering this week? This one is a request of mine, to be quite honest, because anytime an American Tyler is trending in soccer, we have to talk about him. It's a new rule because it probably won't happen ever again. But yeah, we have Tyler Adams on the docket. He is a midfielder and defender for RB Leipzig. Obviously, we're talking about him because in the Champions League quarterfinals against Atletico Madrid, he actually made U.S. soccer history. He scored a game-winning goal in the 88th minute to help RB Leipzig advance to the semifinals. He is actually the first American player in Champions League history to score a goal in the quarterfinals or later. He will also be the second American to ever play in the semifinals, assuming he starts or gets subbed on. Uh, the only other being Demarcus Beasley playing back in 2005 for PSV. What makes me excited about this guy is how young he is. He's just 21 years old and he's already starting to make a name for himself. Just another example of American youth development system producing another promising player. He was born and raised in Wappingers Falls, New York, and then Adams joined the New York Red Bulls Academy at just the age of 12 years old back in 2011. 
And that's crazy to me because that was the year that I graduated high school. He would travel 150 miles round trip just to train with the academy, and he grew up a die-hard Red Bulls fan, and he was determined to do whatever it took to make sure that he made that team. Adams eventually graduated from the academy and played for both the second and first teams for the Red Bulls. In 2016, he helped lead the second team to a USL Cup victory, and after being promoted to the first team, helped the Red Bulls secure the 2017 MLS Supporters Shield, awarded to the team with the best regular season record. While playing within the Red Bulls organization, Adams also represented the United States at the U15, U17, U20, and senior levels. In 2017, at just 18 years old, Adams helped the United States win the CONCACAF U-20 championship. The team made it up to the quarterfinals of the U-20 FIFA World Cup that same year, in large part thanks to his play, playing in pretty much every single game. He already understands what it's like to play with a little bit of pressure and stakes on the game. And he got called up to the senior side that same year, making his debut against Portugal in November of 2017. Then less than a year later, in that in September of 2018, he did score his first career goal, which was the game winner for the United States in a friendly against our arch rival of Mexico. In January then of 2019, Adams was transferred to RB Leipzig, a huge move for the American going from the MLS over to Germany for the Bundesliga. While there, he was reunited with his former Red Bulls manager, Jesse Marsh, who was an assistant for the German club. Unfortunately, injuries have kept Adams from being a more consistent contributor for RB Leipzig, but he has made the most of his opportunities when out on the pitch. He has appeared in 24 Bundesliga matches, recording two assists in the German league. Uh, He's also now appeared in two Champions League matches, with that first career goal for the club coming just this past week with that game winner against Atletico. He's only 21 years old. He's an incredibly versatile player capable of playing the midfield, on the wing, or as a defender in the back line. His market value has continued to rise, and only time will tell if he become another United States men's national team star that the country can pair with Christian Pulisic to help the team qualify for the upcoming World Cup. There's a lot that I like about this guy, and it what makes me excited is having another person like this is going to only help ensure that we actually qualify for the World Cup, because I cannot miss another World Cup. It's been a dream of mine to go to the World Cup, and one day we'll get there. I was hoping to go back when the World Cup was in Russia. You know, you didn't make it then, but having a player like Adams, there's no reason why... Uh, you know, paired with the right squad that we have with like Christian, our future is bright for the United States men's national team. And also with that being said, Adams, as I already mentioned, has a track record of playing in games and moments that have something on the line. So he understands what the pressure is like. So who's to say what's going to happen? He's going up through these Red Bull programs. He's on his way in the Bundesliga. Maybe within a couple of seasons, he'll transfer out of there and maybe end up in the Premier League. Maybe he'll end up playing alongside Christian Pulisic. Hopefully not for Chelsea, but we'll see what happens. I think the best point I could think about this is when we interviewed Jimmy Conrad a few weeks back and he was talking about how all these young players need to learn how to become the guy and handle those pressure situations. And, you know, moments like this for Tyler Adams against Atletico, it's one of those opportunities to be that clutch performer for your team and start getting that kind of experience. So the fact that we're getting some of this from our young stars right now, I think that's why I like this story. It's a guy that came up through the academy and is starting to get those clutch moments under his belt. Because that just makes me more excited for his international play once that starts back up again. Thanks again, Tyler, for submitting this week's pitch profile. I know it wasn't hard considering that, you know, you're just in the other room over there and you can just pick one and then we can go forward. But this is where we're going to put it back on to you guys, the great listeners of the First Touch podcast. If there's any player, any player at all that you want to learn more about or maybe it's a player that you love, maybe it's just somebody that's on your team that you're really excited about that you want us to explore in more depth to learn a little bit more about their upbringings and maybe uncover a little bit of interesting stories and maybe just some of the dirt that's behind them. We would love to show them off here to everyone on the First Touch Football Club podcast. So make sure to follow us on Twitter and as well as Instagram. Message us there and we'll be happy to take your submissions. Moving on to this week's Around the Net, we have a interesting story coming out of Manchester. What's going on over with Manchester City this week, Tyler? So David Silva is finally left after 10 years with the club to go play for Real Sociedad. 
you know, obviously he's being very warmly sent off. Everyone's saying all these nice things about him, which is absolutely deserved. Even as a Liverpool fan, I have nothing but respect for this guy. The one thing I did find interesting is he, he's leaving right now, and there's already talks with the team, supposedly, about building a statue for David Silva. Uh, I'm personally in support of it, and I can get into that in a second, but I am curious about your thoughts. I just think it's a little premature. Uh, I get that like you have a guy that's leaving after such a long time, and you, you want to be able to capture those moments. But I do think that there's a lot of other players that if we're going to take somebody that's you know been consistent, been with the team for as long as they have been, and like I get that they have you know won a lot of trophies along the times that he's been there. I don't know if he's necessarily the guy. As long as it makes everyone happy, that's fine. But I do think that there's argument I've seen also around the net that people are saying you know if you're going to make a statue for him, what about Yaya Toure? He's been a person that's been around for just as long as he has been. Uh, he did leave two seasons prior, but just taking a look at the statistics compared to both of them, in terms of appearances, David Silva has made 309 appearances for Manchester City. That's a lot. I'm not going to say that that's not anything. Yaya Toure, 230. So, you know, minus 70 games, but let's take a look at the what they've produced during that time. 60 goals for Silva, 62 for Toure, uh, 93 assists, obviously a lot, creating a lot of momentum and great opportunities, 93 assists for Silva, only 32 for Toure, but this is where it gets a little bit more interesting for me. If we're also going to take a look at Toure, he was on 70 clean sheets where Silva was on 56 of those. You know, I get it, like, why not celebrate a player like this? But at the same time, I just don't really understand the merits that they're going off of here because Torre definitely put in um, around the same amount of effort, is not the same amount of time, maybe minus two seasons. Ultimately, they're they're almost identical in terms of, like, what they've done for this club. To me, I think it's a no-brainer because it's... it. It's partially about the stats, and I do think he has great numbers, especially when you look outside the Premier League to all appearances. But it's about the fact that before he came, you know, what was Manchester City? He was integral to becoming part of the team's identity, both offensively and defensively, and their culture. I mean, this guy was such an integral piece to that midfield that it made everything else around him work to the point where this went from a team that was often forgotten to a powerhouse of the last decade. Just look at these accolades. He has four Premier League titles, two FA Cup titles, and five English League Cup titles in his time with the team. I know I'm not supposed to like Manchester City, and I do get annoyed with their fans sometimes. Sorry, guys. But they are a genuinely solid team, and that is in large part because of the contributions of David Silva. Yeah, I hear that. I'm not trying to rain on the parade of this. I'm just feeling that like when we're talking about in terms of overall merit— it just seems like that there's other things to think about. I, I just think that you can make a solid argument for Toure the same way, considering that he has three English League Cups with them, and uh, considering that he has three Premier League Cups with Manchester City as well. And he's one of the best players to come out of the Ivory Coast. I know that that's not going to be something in terms of this club, but he has been awarded the African Football Player of the Year four times. And, you know, I, I just think that, like, maybe that's a player that you also want to celebrate. That's just my own take on it. I just think that, you know, you, you have a player that you've been that's been in the club for so long and you're excited to celebrate him. When someone be, makes a statue, it's almost like you immortalize them forever. And it just doesn't really sit well with me where it's like so instantaneous without really thinking about like who is also very similar to this. And that's just kind of where I'll take a collective pause with everyone else. That's kind of be like, okay, well, like if, if you're going to do him, why not also this? And that's where like I'm sitting here. Yeah, you, you can make an argument in both ways. Actually, I do think that's an extremely good point, And I do admire that. I think especially with a statue, it has to be a legacy thing. When I think about American sports, like when they talked about building a statue for Peyton Manning in my hometown of Indianapolis, I was like, how can you not build a statue of Peyton Manning for all he did for that city? It's got to be someone that changes the fundamental viewpoint of that team forever and that trajectory. So, you know, if I'm thinking of Liverpool right now, like the only person that deserves a statue on that team, despite all the legendary players, there is Jurgen Klopp just for what he's done with that club. I do think that what they're saying for that threshold of statues is too low, and I do think that's a fair point. That's just so funny. I, yeah, you could sure give give Klopp a statue if you want. I get that. 
but there's no one that's even on the Tottenham Hotspur roster that I want to have a statue <laughs> right now. And I'm not saying that because the throw shade. It's just that, as I was mentioning before, it's that I think that the symbolism of making a statue is just so high to you got to have a period to reflect after the fact. And if we're talking about like hometowns, like it kind of feels weird to me to, I don't know. Is there a statue of Peyton Manning in Indianapolis right now? Yeah. Or is that just something that they it talk about? It was erected okay. like two or three years ago. And there was not a single question of anyone thinking, should he really get a statue? It was no Peyton Manning gets a statue. But that's just so weird to me because this guy is still out here just slinging Papa John's pizza to us and like, you know, if, insurance. So it's just a little weird to me. I don't know. Maybe I just put statues and the idea of immortalizing someone forever in a statue in a little Come bit on, different wheelhouse. Nate, you, I know you want Sidney Crosby to get a statue like the day he retires. Yeah, but the only thing that he's slinging is Tim Horton's coffee and the world needs more of that. <laughs> Flashback to the other episodes when we talk about coffee. But yeah, that's fine. And there's a Mario Lemieux statue right outside of PPG Paints Arena. And you know, tell me if you don't think that man deserves that. And we could go here and talk about how he then bought the club and how he's given the charity. But that's for another time and for another podcast that talks about hockey rather than soccer. I think this is a great opportunity. On social media, I'm going to post this. I would like to know our listeners, for your favorite club or other sports team, if you could have one person get a statue, who would it be? And if we're going to have a conversation about statues, I have to bring this up because I don't know when else we're going to have, or at least I will have the opportunity to throw shade like this. Why on this earth is there a statue of Rocky Balboa <laughs> in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? Why? Oh no, Nate, are we are we gonna are we gonna go through this again? It's Rocky, man. Like it's just fucking Rocky. He's not real. He's not real. It's not a real person. <laughs> it's it's the spirit of the thing, man. Like it's it, it that's I know you hate Philly, so like does it make you feel better that like their coolest statue is of a fake person? Like it does, but at the same like it just it's just the most Philadelphia thing to me because it just pisses me off. This is the most heated you've ever been on this show and I just over Rocky Balboa. I love Rocky Balboa. I love those movies. Don't don't people misquote me or misthink of anything else. I love those films. Don't judge me on that. I'm just judging the city of Philadelphia for making a statue of a fictional person. My bet of the week is PSG minus one versus RB Leipzig. It just means they are favored to win by a goal. I think it's a pretty safe bet. I think PSG advances here. I think if the worst case scenario is that they win by one, and then you just get your money back. So I think this is a pretty safe bet. I feel pretty confident about it. I'm feeling good after that Bayern pick last week. Uh, let's just keep the Champions League ball rolling. You know, Neymar had a great game. He broke a dribbling record, and that that can only help fuel him to have a better performance, I would think, uh, into this next match against uh, Leipzig. Yep, so we'll see what goes on there. I think the bet of the weeks have been pretty solid so far, so let's keep that momentum rolling. Um, now, Nate, before we get into the pub of the week, I want to tell you about the worst pub I've ever been to. What What's that, Tyler? The, the worst pub I've ever been in was called The Fiddle. It was a vile inn. <laughs> oh, no. I apologize for everyone that's made it this far. Uh, here we go. Dude, now that I mentioned the dad jokes on the podcast, they're going to start coming out more often. I think um, to all of those listening out there, tell Tyler you don't want the dad jokes and just help me. Just help The more me. you tell me you don't want them, the more I will do them. Hmm. Well, moving on to this week's Pub of the Week. After that lovely joke that you just gave us here, Tyler, just think about it. Violin. Oh, boy. And of course, this week's Pub of the Week. Thanks again so much, Ian Edwards, for your submission. We have The Parlor, located at 7250 Melrose Avenue, out in Los Angeles, California. Looks like a pretty good spot. They're known as a classically redefined sports bar with an ode to the good old days with a focus on tradition. 
They have sophisticated palates as well as crafted cocktails, and you're supposed to enjoy and light in company there. Looks like they got about over 50 TVs, huge outdoor patio. Looks like so much fun, a lot of different uh, comfort food, and you know they take pride of saying number one place to enjoy the game. So it looks like you can go out there, good old sports bar if you're out in the Los Angeles area, hit up the parlor again at 7250 Melrose Avenue and let them know the FTSC sent you. That's going to do it today for First Touch. Thank you so much again, guys, for listening. Feel free to keep submitting your picks for Pitch Profile and Pub of the Week. We'll leave you the same way we leave you every week in that there is no room for racism.